0: And I would say that uh, I don't care if you're 80 years old, you know, fatherhood and Father's Day is going to be a mix of, you know, pride in your children, um, regret, um, maybe failure, um, thankfulness, just a, a... uh, an entire mix of things, and I certainly feel those things today. also, <laughs> all of us have had fathers ourselves and and we, and there, it's another mix of of feelings concerning our fathers. they could be our our issue, so to speak, and they can also be a tremendous source for us and you know, I lost my father when I was young. When I was, uh, I think I was eleven or maybe twelve, and and I had already lost my mother. And God has been a good father to me, in every way that a father should be and could be. He has been all of that, and more. You, I, I can't even describe how rich and how how beautiful. How forgiving, how how um, loving, how um, persistent he has been as a father. And I just, I love him. I'm going to, the message today is called Wrestling with God. It's a little bit of a trick title, we'll get to that later. But i like to start in Genesis chapter 27. This is about Jacob, and to me, this is a message about the saints of God, about Christian believers being real with God. You know, there's a lot of 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 uh, cultural Christianity mixed into our how we view our walk with the Lord. You know, there's more or less of that mixed in. And really, that's just, that's religion. And to, to be able to be absolutely real with God and, and to keep all of that, you know, to, to put off all of the, the, the flesh that, that, that creeps into our faith, into our religion, and just put that to the side and just be real with God. That's what I want. I, I hate putting on. I hate, um, you know, the, the, the sort of, you know, this is how a Christian is sort of thing. And you act this certain way and you talk this certain way. I want to be real. I want to be genuine and to have the heart of God. And He call, each of us have a different calling. And so we don't all necessarily act like one another. We each have our gift in the body of Christ, and gifts, I should say, and and He will move through us in in His particular way. In um, Genesis twenty-seven, and well, I'm in Exodus. That doesn't help. All right, Genesis twenty-seven, and in verse. 42. These words of Esau, her elder son, were told to Rebekah, and she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said unto him, Behold, your brother Esau, as touching thee, doth comfort himself, purposing to kill thee. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice, arise and flee thou to Laban, my brother to Haran, and tarry with him a few days. Until thy brother's fury turn away, until thy brother's anger turn away from thee, and he forget that which thou hast done to him, then I'll send and fetch thee from thence. Why should I be deprived of you both in one day? And you know, Rebekah, his mother, Jacob's mother, Jacob and Esau's mother, she had, she had the prophecy that the younger would serve the elder. I mean, she knew that from the very beginning. And, But she had, uh, being aware of that, she was always sort of trying to help God out with this. She was always stepping in front of him and, and, and scheming to bring the thing that God had promised to pass. And, uh, and I, I believe that Jacob was also privy to this, which is why in that moment of weakness... He offered uh, Esau. Jacob offered Esau that that bowl of lentils, that lentil stew, in exchange for his birthright. I mean, why else did he do that? And then later on, at Rebecca's urging, he deceived his father into receiving the blessing of the elder instead of the blessing of the younger. It was a very big deal, and. It deprived Esau of that blessing, and he determined to kill Jacob. He had to run for his life. You know, they were very different boys. You know, Esau was, he was a manly man. He was a, a hunter. He was a man of the fields, and he was favored by his father. And Jacob was, he stayed in the tents. Well, that meant he stayed with the women, so he was kind of a, I guess you could say he's a mama's boy. And, and she favored him. And that's a tremendous sin uh, of parents to favor a child over another. It's a grace of God to love all the same. I mean, that's, that's how God loves. He loves everybody the same. He doesn't accept everybody the same. We are made acceptable by the blood of Christ. But he loves everybody the same. And we who have been accepted by God on the basis of of Christ's sacrifice, we are not better than those who have not. We're not better than the Muslim. We're not better than an idol worshiper. The Bible says, are we better than they? And it says, not in any way except that we have been received on the basis of of the blood of Christ being sacrificed for us so beautiful so in here in chapter 28 then and in verse 10 he has fled for his life and he's oh i don't know maybe a few days out from home and Jacob went out from Beersheba, in verse 10, 28, 10, and went to toward Haran, and he lighted upon a certain place, and tarried there all night, because the sun was set. Okay, it's nightfall, and he took of the stones of that place, and put them for his pillows, and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed. And the meaning of this vision, this strange dream, is unclear, or at least it always was unclear to me. I may be the last Christian on earth to understand what it, what this is talking about, but maybe there's a few of you like me that didn't. So I'll share it with you. I mean, it's mysterious. It was always mysterious to me. But what is clear is that Jacob was different after this. Because from here, he did go to Haran. He worked faithfully for his uncle Laban for seven years, for the hand of of, uh, Rachel, thank you, uh, in marriage, only to get tricked, he He's the one that got tricked this time, right? And then another seven years to, to finally get her. And then he worked a number of other years. We don't know how long after that for his uncle Laban. It's quite different than he was before. Finally, though, he did part from him and returned to Can- Canaan with his family before the dream He always used questionable means to help God to fulfill his promises. And after the dream, he did. He waited on God patiently, trusting him to bring it to pass. And when I say patiently, we're talking decades. And so what happened in the dream, in this dream of the ladder, that so transformed Jacob? And Jesus made the meaning of Jacob's ladder perfectly clear. And this is in the Gospel of John chapter 1. I was puzzling over this dream one time and somehow I came across this scripture in John and I said, it's been here all along. This is what it means. John chapter 1 verse 51, He saith unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending, right, ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus, Jesus is that ladder. He is the ladder that was set on the earth, reached to heaven, the angels ascending and descending on it. (laughs) Those angels that he saw in his dream were ascending and descending on the pre-incarnate Christ. Jacob's ladder shows that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's no other means to reach heaven other than Jesus. That's what that ladder shows us. There's no other name given under heaven whereby men must be saved. He is the door to the sheepfold. And his true sheep enter into the safety of, of, of his fold by him alone. By Christ and Christ alone. And so notice that the ladder was set up on the earth. You know, to anchor the ladder to the earth. To make a way to heaven accessible for fallen man. Jesus was made in the likeness of sinful flesh. He took on himself the form of a servant. And became obedient to the death of the cross. And Jesus shed his blood so sinful man could be redeemed and made righteous. Jesus spanned an impossible gulf. You know, in... in, I believe in in Genesis 1 where, you know, at the very beginning of creation that God made a firmament. I believe that, that that is a picture of Jesus himself. He is the big firmament. He is that big space. And he spans it by his grace, by his sacrifice. He spans that firmament between God and man. But that firmament is also... The, the, the chasm that separates sinful man from God. And, and, and it is impossible for him to cross that. It's a gulf that nobody can get across. It's a huge expanse. It's impossible. It's infinitely large. And only the blood of Christ can make the way from there to there. From lost to saved. From doomed to eternal life. No man-made ladder can reach far enough or high enough. The guys at Babel, Babel, I hear people say Tower of Babel. I don't know. I grew up saying Babel. Uh, They tried to do that. They tried to reach heaven by the structure that they were building, by their... Religion, really, is what it was. They tried to reach heaven their own way. Didn't get there. Quite the opposite. Those who reject Christ as Savior, he is not the open door, he is the closed door. He is that firmament. So, Jacob sees the angels of God ascending and descending And this ladder is like a two-way bridge. It brings heaven to earth. For example, Jesus being born in, in Bethlehem. That's bringing heaven to earth. Or when we are born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, heaven is brought to earth in us. All who receive him by grace through faith, though we're living in this fallen world here on earth, we're bound for heaven. So The ladder is touching heaven. See? It's beautiful. So Jacob views this unique picture of Christ. And the Lord speaks to him from above the ladder. Renewing the covenant that he made with Abraham and with his father Isaac. And the promise of the Messiah is, is implicit in the covenant. For he said, the Lord says, in your families, in your seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And this promise reaches across the eons of time to bring us saving faith in Christ. And it's a truth so marvelous. It's as marvelous today as it was when he dreamed that dream. And God gave him that vision. In Psalm 85.10, this is another thing that that this ladder describes. Psalm eighty-five, ten. 10. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. The righteousness requirements of God. You know, he, he isn't going to just say, well, oh, that's okay, I forgive you. He has righteous requirements. And if you sin, you must die, the Bible says. But in Christ, righteousness and peace are met together. Mercy and truth have kissed. He's brought God's righteous requirements together with his sacrifice. To bring the the grace and mercy of God to fallen man. And that is another aspect of the latter. Bringing those two Things that are so far apart together by the blood of Christ that we could be redeemed, that we could be reconciled to God from a state that we were stuck in and couldn't get out of. So realizing the significance of this encounter, uh, when Jacob gets up in the morning, he took the stone that he had for pillows and he, he set up an altar he he poured oil he anointed it and he called the name of that place Bethel and Jacob vowed a vow listen to this it sounds like like a, uh like a new christian maybe that's in trouble i think i've prayed prayers like this before he's like I, and this is by the way this is in 28 just if you want to read it with me uh He vowed a vow in verse 20. If God will be with me, if he will be with me, if he will keep me in this way that I go, and if he will give me bread to eat, and if he'll give me clothes to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. If you'll do all this for me, you'll be my God. Really interesting. Then the Lord shall be my God. And then I will worship at this altar. And he says that he will tithe. So there's still work to be done with Jacob. And after all the years of laboring for Laban, he sneaks away under the cover of darkness. You know, he did it in the middle of the night with his family, his flocks, his wealth. And he snuck away from Laban in the middle of the night. And he runs from that problem, from the Laban problem, into another problem, and that's his brother Esau. He's on his way back home, across the miles to to Canaan, and word comes back to him, your brother Esau is coming with 400 men. And after all these years, here comes his fear coming up before him again. He's having a, a crisis. I'll call it a faith crisis. You know, all these years serving the Lord faithfully, but he still is having a faith crisis. I was at a place in my Christian walk, and i have been saved. I'd, you know, we have been having home church uh, for a while after coming out of a, 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 a Christian cult that I was in. And I I was questioning everything that I had known, and I was trying to understand the true meaning of the grace of God. And I finally got to the place where I was like, man, I don't know if I'm saved. That was my that was my faith crisis, and for weeks I was walking around just so burdened with this. I was talking to God i've got to know, I have to know where I stand with you. i got to know what's going on and oh, I mean it was it was awful, and one night, I was by the bed, it was bedtime. Nancy was in the other room, putting the kids to bed, and I was by the bedside, and I was just really struggling, my God what do I do and I I was talking to him and feeling so outcast and and feeling so separate from him and Nancy came in from from putting Christine down and she had a funny look on her face and she said um Christine said that the Lord spoke to her and that she has something she needs to tell you and I thought oh boy here goes and, you know, Christine was, I think she was eight. And I knew I needed to have the hammer down put on me. I i mean, I knew that all too well. And I thought, you know, here it comes from my sweet little daughter. So I walked into the room and I was, you know, I was really hang dog. And I said, well, I, you know, I heard you have something you need to tell me. I said, it's okay. You just go ahead and tell me. And she looked just so bright. And she said, she said, yes. He told me he, he had something that he wants me to tell you. He wants you to know, God wants you to know that he loves you very much. And that he's very pleased with you. And I just fell out. And he, God gave me an assurance in that moment from him. I didn't get it from, from somebody's attempt at teaching or their doctrinal system giving me an assurance. It was from him. And I really have been a different person from that moment on. I mean, my fear of man just, it just went away. Um, and it became the lord i knew that i was accepted of him i knew that he was pleased with me on my basis no but it's because when he sees me he sees jesus and he's what this is my beloved son in whom i am well what pleased that's who he is seeing oh man so here's here's jacob and he he is facing his fear He's having his crisis, and in chapter 32, first of all, in verse 9, just to show you the fear that he was under, Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac the Lord, which said to me, Return unto my country and to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. I'm not worthy of the least of all thy mercies, and of all the truth which thou hast shown unto thy servant." For with my staff, I passed over this Jordan. Now I'm become two bands. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. For I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. That is the struggle that he was in. And God does deliver him. And then he's separated then. He has sent his family ahead. I mean, the way that I read it, it's like, well, if Esau, he, he split them into three parts. And if Esau, you know, if they destroy that part of my family, well, at least I'll have the other two parts. And if he destroys two parts of the family, I'll have at least that third left. And if he destroys all three, well, at least I'm, I'm here by myself and I'm, I'm good. That's kind of how I read it. I don't know if that's exactly how it goes down. But he is delivered from the hand of Esau. And, and they, have a, they have a beautiful reunion. And in verse 24, Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. This was God that he was wrestling with. And actually it says that God was wrestling with him. That's why I said it was a trick title. Now, of course, when you're wrestling with somebody, I mean, both are wrestling, but it was God wrestling with him. I know that God was wrestling with me. Or I would have never had that breakthrough in my life. He was wrestling with the condition of my heart. And I needed it. And here here we have God wrestling with him. Until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him. You know this one who is wrestling with Jacob. Says he touched his thigh. The hollow of, of his thigh and his hip went out of joint. As he wrestled with him. And he, the one who's wrestling with Jacob, says, let me go uh, for the daybreak. And he said, I'll not let thee go until you bless me. Yes. You know, when when his hip went out of joint, he lost his strength. And he could no longer effectively wrestle God. He He became weak. And it says that he just held on, and he would not let go until he was blessed. <laughs> that we could hold on to God. And, and that with that kind of determination to receive his blessing, I'll not let you go till you bless me. I'll not let you go. that we could hold on to God like that. In our weakness, you know, Paul and his weakness, I, I would rather glory in my infirmities. In, in Jacob's weakness, all, he could, all that was left for him to do was to hold on, and he held on. That's really where I am. You know, in my weakness, the only thing that's left for me is to hold on, to hold on to God, to hold tight. I will hold to his hand, to God's, un, uh, how does that go? Uh, yes, yeah, unchanging hand. Amen. So, this is really interesting. Verse 27. He said unto him, the Lord said unto him, What is your name? Of course, he knows his name. But he wants Jacob to talk to him. And he said, My name is Jacob. I am the supplanter. You know, that's the meaning of the word Jacob. The meaning of the name Jacob is supplanter. One who... Who, who cuts in line, you know. One who deceives. One who, who um, you know, tries to manipulate things to get his own desired outcome. That's who I am. And the first thing that God got from him was confession. Confession. God wants us to talk to him. You know, our, it's not God's distance from us. It's our distance from him. And if you want to close the distance that you feel from God, it starts with confession, with talking to him, with getting real with him, with opening your heart and just telling him where you are at. That's that's my challenge. I mean, it's it's so easy. I don't want to talk about that. That's in the past. You know, that sort of thing. When he wants us to talk to him. What is your name? My name's Jacob. Verse 28. Your name shall be called no more Jacob but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men. And you have prevailed. <laughs> Jacob the, 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 the deceiver. The one who cuts in lines. You know, the one who goes to the front of the line in traffic and cuts in. That's Jacob, right? I mean, that's how he's lived his life. He has now become one who is a worshiper, a prince with God. In Hebrews 11, uh, 21, it says, By faith, Jacob, when he was, he was old and blind, he blessed all of his children, all of his sons. And they, became, they all became great tribes, the tribes of Israel. He's given a new name. We've been given a new name. You know, our old man, it says, has died with Christ. And we are new creatures in him. We are new creations. We are named with the name of Jesus. Just like him. We've come through. Our old name has You're no longer this. You're no no longer what you were. But you have a new name, a new nature. You're a new creature in Christ. You've put off the old man with his deeds. You've put on the new man. Verse 29, Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he did. He blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And Jacob became a worshiper of God. Oh, that we could worship God like that. That we could see ourselves as new creations in Christ. That we have, not only have we been saved, but that we have, that we've allowed God to wrestle with us. To take us from that that place that needs refining and have a wrestle with him. And to come through the other side with a new name. He wants us to talk with him. If we are feeling distant from him. He's not distant from us. We're distant from him. I will never leave you nor forsake you, he says. But he's calling on us to talk to him. Just tell him. He's a good father. He's a faithful father. And I thank God for the way that he has fathered me. And all of us, regardless of our issues, with our own fathers or For us dads, for the way that we have fathered, for our failings and our faults, in all of that, he is the great father. And he has fathered us so well. Glory and honor and praise to his name. Jesus has redeemed us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise, honor, and glory to your name. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And he has been with us even in our dark times before we knew him. In in the worst of the things that have happened to us, the worst of the things that we did, he was with us. He always thinking of us, always wanting us, always moving toward us, always preserving us so that we could come to him. At the appointed time. We love you Lord. We give you thanks. For being so kind and so gracious. For being such a good father. Thank you Lord. For calling us by name. Giving us the name. Naming us by the name of Christ. By filling our hearts. With the Holy Spirit. Move on us I pray. In these dark dark hours. That rather than being moved by fear, Lord, we could know that your promise is true, is faithful, that you are the rock that we can stand on, the rock that is an altar where we can worship, where we could pour ourselves out, anoint, fill, and and glorify yourself in Jesus' name. Amen.